you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the League podcast is wary of shadowy league figures. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal, and I'm joined by a country filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler and Dan Hansis in New York. Chris Wesseling and Kevin Patra in Culver City. We've also got gold standard behind the glass. What is happening? The NFL draft is over. Thank God. Wow. <laughs> Come on. What are you, well, you're not excited. I know that feeling after three days of sitting in that seat in Radio City Music Hall. It's interesting that, um, yeah, it becomes a situation where you feel like, and we, we commented on it, Mark and uh, Alex, uh, one of our photographers, and Handsome Hank, the notorious DOP, that at a certain point it feels like, uh, Mark, I believe you said it, that you're in a submarine that is sunk to the bottom of the sea and you're trapped together shocking that no mark would have a water image in there so much like. uh, well we've got a lot to talk about we we did the first round picks on thursday night that feels like so long ago so we can we're going to go over some big stories from day two and three of the draft and then we'll get into the meat of the show some winners and losers and then we'll set Mark and Dan free into the New York night. What 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 are on the plans today? Karaoke night, gentlemen. Ooh, are you serious? What's your song? Tapas Twenty Seven downtown. <laughs> Getting together with some old high school friends. Mark's gonna tag along. Wow, I'm hearing about this just now. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Macchiagna and I karaoke the Humpty Dance the other night at Joxer's Daily. Man, this sounds like an awesome plan if I was 24. <laughs> All right. Uh, why don't we start with Michael Sam? Just because right, it's so, so awesome. it's so fresh in our minds, and we're going to get to the the big football story soon. But it's rare that the draft ends with a big story, and this happened only a few picks left in the draft, and it's kind of the the lasting memory that a lot of people have from the draft. Certainly from day three, which was quiet. Michael mm-hmm. Sam gets taken by the Rams. Mark and Dan, what what was the reaction there in New York? It was, he got a nice reaction. I think it, once you got to the seventh round and it started to progress, um, there, you could kind of sense it that people were just kind of keyed in on that. And uh, I believe it was the Cowboys had a pick earlier in the seventh round, and the first name of the player they selected was Michael, and the crowd made, you know, audibly sighed or groaned when it wasn't Sam. And then uh, when the Rams came up and it was Sam, uh, it was a really nice, you know, there wasn't a lot of people in the building at that point. This is an event that stretches about six hours or so on on the final day Saturday. But the people that were in the building, everybody got on their feet, and there was a nice applause, and then a little bit of a Michael Sam chant. So it was, it was a nice moment uh, to close the draft. 
The NFL avoided some bad press, I feel like, with this news. Whether it would have been fair or not is not a conversation oh. for, for this podcast. But They would have gotten – the NFL would have gotten – and we talked about this when this announced when Sam first made his announcement. And, you know, if – and it, it, maybe it wouldn't have been the NFL's fault because there's been a lot of talk that this guy doesn't have the measurables or the abilities to be a, a real competitive NFL player, but – that narrative would have taken off if he didn't get picked. So the NFL, yeah, certainly dodged a bullet. And uh, by getting him on a roster, it, it saves a lot of headaches on Park Avenue. Well, he would, have, he would have been signed quickly anyways, but it just would have been a bad luck. And it's not a surprise to me that Jeff Fisher, uh, of all people, we talked about the Giants and the Steelers might have been teams that would take Sam for the good of the league. I mean, no one is more of a league guy than Jeff Fisher. He's the head of the NFL's competition committee. He cares about the bigger picture and who knows maybe that's a factor and michael sam went to school locally so he's already accepted in that area and fisher said uh right away that he'd been thinking about this for the last week and it's kind of like it's great sam got drafted but then again if he was undrafted he could have picked his team this is going to be a tough team to make with that with that defensive line it's about as loaded as it gets i thought it was a cool moment it certainly you know they had him and the boyfriend, and it probably made a lot of people uncomfortable around the country. And I sort of like that. It's good for people to get uncomfortable. Thoughts? I agree that it's good for people to get uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the day two and three highlights and just kind of go through them one by one. Derek Carr really started the biggest news, I would say, to start day two, going to the Oakland Raiders. You mentioned him Chris Wesseling as a guy who could play right away in Oakland. And you got you got some Raiders fans upset. Raiders fans were born upset. <laughs> no, well, wait, slight modification. Raiders fans were born upset at Chris Wesseling. <laughs> well, maybe they should be more upset at their uh, franchise. Uh, that would probably be better directed. But, um, okay, so I, I, I think it's no secret that I think Schaub is done as an effective starting quarterback. So I don't see why – the guy who was drafted right around the same place as Andy Dalton couldn't come in and start in a similar fashion. The only reason I would be skeptical is that Reggie McKenzie has drafted Tyler Wilson and signed Matt Flynn and signed Matt Schaub. So I'm waiting to see what he knows about quarterbacks. Not a promising track record when it comes to uh, picking (laughs) your quarterback group. I would say one thing, because I could have seen a team do this which is take a guy like Derek Carr in the first round, much higher up, which uh, just sets him up for absolute speculation and a potential implosion. At least they, didn't, at least they got a great player in number one. I, I'm with you, Chris, though. I, 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 Derek Carr is one guy that I would say, just by the pedigree alone, I am suspicious of. That might not be fair, but I... That is so unfair. It is, it, I wanted to see Houston double down and go Carr part two. <laughs> it's it's very fair in the sense that David Carr was much more highly rated coming into the league. And we never really got a chance to see what David Carr could do, in my opinion, the, what, the situation he got to put into. One of the all-time, arguably the worst situation a rookie was ever put into. Well, I think we saw, we got quite a chance to see him play. <clears throat> I'm across the room from Dan here, and we are glaring at each other. Yeah, but, yeah this is becoming Dan's, awkward already. Dan's point is fair, too. What? That was an awful offensive line they put him behind. That's an excuse, though. The if he was going to be a great quarterback, he would have become a great quarterback. But he did get gun shy. You could see it in, in his play after that as well. Even the owner admitted that. Right. But isn't that what bad quarterbacks do? They, they are put in a bad situation, and it snowballs, and some can overcome that. This, oh, this is a tough one. Now we're defending let me just repeat my point David there, Cole. not to belabor this, but Let's a, belabor there's it. a difference between a bad situation and – David Carr's situation. So I just I think he was in a uniquely bad situation. And I just think this guy, Derek Carr, deserves the benefit of the doubt. It's 10 years later, 12 years later. It's a different dude. It's a different world. It's a different NFL. So I don't know. I, I, I think too many people have written this guy off as uh, potentially a bust just because something that happened in an NFL century ago. Uh, and we do know he has some tools. He does have a strong arm. Nobody's doubted that. He does have some athleticism. I think he could be good, whether he would be good to come in right away for the Raiders is, is remains to be seen. We know that he other teams did like him. The Titans were willing to take him if he if the Raiders didn't. Yeah, that and it, that would have been another plug. It's play, one of those other possibly. things. I love thinking about this, and I love these stories on draft weekend. 
of what was going to happen and just how that would change everything. Ian Rappaport reported the Titans were set to take Derek Carr, and so he would have been in competition with Jake Locker. He could have been their guy for the future. Instead, they wind up with Zach Mettenberger four rounds later. And for Raiders fans, this is a rare uh, draft where they're going to get some real hope and some love and some kudos from the national press, which is worth about nothing. But you got Khalil Mack, you get Carr, uh, and you get a couple big guys in the next couple rounds. And then Mike Mayock says, look, the Raiders are four for four in picks. When when is the last time you heard anyone say that about the Raiders? Well, one thing about this Derek Carr thing, one last thing. When you talk about, oh, the Raiders have done a nice job because they've drafted a rookie that's not going to be thrown into the fire, nothing about Matt Schaub has me convinced mm. that he won't be an utter train wreck by about a week <laughs> four. This guy, Carr, is going to be on the field by October. I could see that happening uh, very easily. He was one of the the big stories early in that round. But I think one of the other ones was another guy that fell, Marquise Lee, going to the Jaguars. Then later they they draft Chris Wesseling's favorite rookie wide receiver, or, or one of his favorite guys coming out, Allen Robinson. They also say that J- Justin Blackman's career with the Jaguars is probably over. They say he's done for this year, and they certainly make it sound like he's never coming back. Are the Jaguars a little frisky here with this receiver combination? I think they are. You take both of those guys and then Cecil Shorts, the strength of their games, all of them, is is run after the catch. They're playmakers. And I think it's fair to say if Marcus Lee and Sammy Watkins both came out in 2013, Lee could have gone ahead of Sammy Watkins. Absolutely. I think he would have this past year really dragged him down, and I'm not sure that it was completely his fault. He had some injuries, and the quarterback play at USC was god-awful, just terrible. So he didn't get any help, and the, and the nagging knee injury, which scared some teams off, is a, is a partial concern, but I don't think the Jags have any concern. I think in today's NFL, with the bubble screens, I think it fits his game perfectly. I think that was a great pick by the, by the Jaguars. And I, and I think Jacksonville has done a nice job in short order of revamping the entire offense. You've got in theory, a franchise quarterback, and Blaine Gabbert is, you know, 3,000 miles away. That's good. You've got <laughs> what, they, what they're calling is their new franchise running back, you know, their workhorse. And their, running, their wide receiver core, which was, you know, three days ago in shambles outside of, the, with, you know, with the loss of Blackman, is suddenly intri- completely intriguing. Mm. I, they've done a good job here in Jacksonville. There's a, I think that fan base, which is essentially had nothing to cling on to, for half a decade plus, if not a full decade, they do now. You had me with the three thousand miles. Although I feel like it'd be better if he was in Hawaii. You know, I mean, just to Add make a couple thousand miles, just to make sure. But then you lost me with the franchise running back. I don't well, know about Toby saying, Garrett. I'm not calling him that, but they're calling him their bell cow now. Just, just keep doubting Toby Gerhardt. <laughs> no, I know Wesley loves that. him. We don't. We, none of us know how that will work. But I. But Gearhart has done well in limited duty. I mean, it's like they're just they're just hoping that works out. He's not their only running back. But but it, all all again, like all bad teams, it goes back to the ex, uh, the wild card at quarterback, the X factor at quarterback. We don't know what Blake Bortles will give. We know what Chad Henney's not going to be a good quarterback. We still don't know about Blake Bortles. By the way, I love how. Uh, much more comfortable we are talking about Allen Robinson and Toby Gerhardt than we are talking about Michael Sam. Like, hey, <laughs> these, these yeah, are I guys. I that as well. <laughs> uh, I put that on you, Greg. Yeah, I know. Oh. It's it's my bad leadership and hosting. I guess I, I can't wait till uh, Dan gets back here. We need you, but but since well, I'm that's he- not where I was going. This is Greg. This is what I would suggest. <laughs> Take a deep breath and then l- make eye contact and set everyone at ease with your eyes. <laughs> Oh, you didn't see this. That, that this is make weird. It, it's not easy. Yeah, I, I tried. No setting it easy. Well, since, since I am in the host chair, we can talk about the Patriots as much as I want. Jimmy uh, Garoppolo. Forget Tom Brady. We've got a new quarterback of the future. Forget Tom, or Brady. Tom Brady's old news. Or as I like to call him, Rohan Davey. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is By the a... way, you want to talk about uh, draft losers. Tom Brady is certainly one of them. <laughs> you know, instead of... Uh, Building up the roster for one last crack at uh, a Super Bowl with Tom Terrific, they invested their second-round pick on his replacement. The NFL is a cold-blooded league, but I, even Thomas would be like, come on, uh, Bill, I trusted you. What does it say about Dan that I thought he was going to say Tom Brady was the biggest loser because Garoppolo was more handsome Better than looking. him? That's what I, I was just Googling. <laughs> I was like, pictures of... <laughs> I would say Brady's probably hotter still. But well, Garoppolo give, give Garoppolo a couple years and to get his millions. You know rich people are always better looking. 
I I thought you were going to go somewhere. I didn't know, but definitely non-football, wife-related. <laughs> so we were all on the same page. It, there's a difference, Keep though. Me but, on your toes. <laughs> there's a difference, though, between Garoppolo and Ryan Mallett and uh, who is the guy? Kevin O'Connell, who they Kevin took. In a, so this is something they've done before. Rohan Davey back in the day uh, with a different quarterback. <laughs> there's a difference. Garoppolo will be under contract when Tom Brady's 40 years old. I mean, I love Tom Brady. But there's a chance I think we can accept that he's no longer the starting quarterback of the Patriots when he's 40 years old. And this is—I'm still convinced he's playing at 50. And then they, <laughs> at one you, point, he suffered, you know has a, like a major laceration, and it's just metal robotics <laughs> underneath the skin. Wow. <laughs> Even when Mark's talking about a quarterback, iconic quarterback being a robot, it turns out there's a major injury that lets us know that that's the truth. <laughs> do, do you really believe he couldn't play with the way he plays in the pocket? I mean, he's not all about getting out. He couldn't play into his 40s? Do you really believe well, that? Yes. I, I believe four years from now. What usually happens in these situations is they can still throw fine, but they can't escape pressure anymore. So they get, it, syndrome. And they don't, get, they don't recover from injuries, injuries nearly injury, as quickly. Or you get happy anymore. in the pocket. Who knows? Maybe he could. He's got four guaranteed years. He has the weirdest contract in the NFL, a fully well, guaranteed. Well, who has, has a history of taking – you know, town heroes and shredding them. Bernie Kosar cut, mm. sets the city on fire. He got Drew Bledsoe out of there. I mean, listen, I understand that, you know, the Brady thing sounds crazy to let him go, but Belichick is not an emotional guy. He's I ruthless. think Belichick also, you know, people talked about, oh, he'll be gone in two years, three years. Yeah. I think he would love to prove that he can win games with the next quarterback. Yeah. I can't wait until Belichick cut, calls Brady into his office to cut him and puts out his cigar right on his forehead. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I am God. <laughs> well done. Well done, Gold Standard. How was your draft, by the way? Do you watch the NFL draft? I did. I watched all of the NFL draft. <laughs> I was. Uh, I, I even threw out some tweets for Dan. I, yeah, I, he, he did, and some, I, I think it's time that we start giving Gold Standard some respect. Yeah, that's As fair. As a football fan, he's been plugged in. He's been active on social media, mostly with um, sports on the other side of the ocean. But you, you can tell he's putting in the effort, and you really got to respect that. I appreciate well, that. Well, let, well, let's put you on the spot then. What, what do you think? Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to eventually bad. succeed Tom Brady in New England? I See – I uh, I don't know my Eastern Illinois football well enough, oh, wow. but I will say, hey, look at that, right? It is over. But I will say that I I think it was a really it, it looked like it was the product of a ton of soul searching from Belichick. Like you have all those quarterbacks mm. on the board. I thought he might wait till later and get like an Aaron Murray, even though he's not like Tom Brady. Wow. I thought that might have been an interesting move. All right, I've got a couple things to say based off of that. Mark and Dan, you don't have to go home. Uh, Patra, you're fired. <laughs> wow. Gold Standard's going to run the Around the League podcast and everything else. Very kind. Fair enough. But Fair is, enough, is, Patra. Fair <laughs> enough. What do, you, what do you say to that? Uh, but it, Garoppolo is also the least known quantity out of all of them, too. So it's kind of Belichickian to take that least known quantity and bury him for three years and then right. try to weasel a third-round draft pick out of somebody as well. Yeah, it's just an insurance policy. Don't get me wrong. I am the biggest Tom Brady guy ever but it's a possibility and they wouldn't take a guy this high and I think maybe there's a little bit of it's not too bad to stoke Brady's fire as he's getting older in years and I think there's definitely something to what Sessler said that it's a it's a bit of an indication that you know maybe Belichick is thinking beyond just the Brady years he said you got to take a quarterback too early than too late and here he did uh let's get to a couple of veteran wide receivers hey one one more point I need to make uh, Greg please do I just want I just want you I, you're certainly aware of it, but I wanted to really soak in that this weekend represented the beginning of the end of the Tom Brady era, and your little glory ride <laughs> is Here officially we in the back end. You are in the back nine. The sun's going down. You're on the 17th hole, so just savor it. I... And when I told you that Mark and I were listening to The Living Years by Mike and the Mechanics on Thursday night <laughs> after the draft, there are some parallels between Tom Brady and the, those cute Patriots fans. And it's all over. It's ended. So just say you love him. Make sure he knows it before he's gone. I have Side note here, Dan is dressed from head to toe in navy, what I would call like a Jets green with a green cap on too. I don't know where he got this, but this guy is rocking the Jets color. I don't know what Mark's talking about right now, but it's okay. I've been 
you know, amazed the last couple of years that it hadn't already crumbled. I, I am fully aware. I've enjoyed this all. When they lost the second Super Bowl to the Giants, that was the moment where I just thought, all right, well, they're not going to get another one with Brady. So it's, it's all been golden. It's been fun. Right. I'm ready. Yeah, I probably am right, sadly. Let's talk about a team that has a, a good chance to win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. The San Francisco 49ers. How's that for a professional segue? Do we like the Stevie Johnson trade to San Francisco? I do. I think when you're a contender, you owe it to yourself to get proven players and embrace your championship window, which they're doing. They needed a third receiver. Stevie Johnson came cheaply. You don't have to pay him a lot of money. As Greg pointed out, he falls under the heart line for the acceptable amount of money to pay for a second-tier starting wide receiver. Brian Hartline even responded to that tweet, which I appreciated. I, who knows? Maybe he's, he's even listening. Do you need to explain the heart line? Well, He's it's, a friend of the Around the League, Around the League podcast. Yeah, was a great guest. Uh, the Heartline is really wide receivers that make $6 million a year. So if if you're under that and you're a starter, that that's kind of like the baseline for a so-so starting wide receiver. So they have a pretty good deal with Johnson. Why not? It, it seems like a nice – does Stevie Johnson make the Niners' wide receiver corpse better? <laughs> yeah, obviously. So – is he the the speedy game breaker we all wanted them to get? Not exactly, but he's a great guy. Gives them some some depth, and and uh, I think he'll make some plays. I, I think that, I like that move. I thought it was good. Hashtag analysis. <laughs> They're so much more improved in the passing game from where they were in September and October of last year when. Kaepernick was throwing to either Bolden or Vernon Davis, but rarely to both of them. Right. They got a million guys. There's no way Brandon Lloyd's making this team, by the way. Quentin Patton might not make the team. It's a fair point. I think it's a good move uh, in that it, he Stevie Johnson's good at getting off press coverage and mm-hmm. running option routes, and those are two things that the Seattle Seahawks do well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good move to counter mm-hmm. what they've been doing. Well, and, I think we should just end it there. That's such a good point. And they did take, well, I'm going to add one little thing. They did add a speedster eventually. It was the fourth round, but it was Andre Ellington's cousin, who's also a speedster, Bruce Ellington. So who knows? Maybe he'll he'll help out. Now let's get to a, a little bit of a downer for the week, and it, it concerns your Browns, Mark. You know where I'm going with this. After the ecstasy of Thursday night, we got news that Josh Gordon is facing a potential lengthy suspension, according to Ian Rappaport. We don't know anything more than that, other than he failed uh, a drug test, and it it sounds like he could be out for a chunk of the season. We'll we'll see. We don't really know how long it's going to be. Describe after Thursday's high uh, what that was like finding out on Friday. Uh, you know, I would say that the there was a period of waking hours of maybe eight or nine waking hours of unbridled optimism uh, quickly torched to the ground like a dry wheat field. I mean, just utterly <laughs> eradicated. And it with Gordon, it was always a sense of, hmm, there's no sense that this guy has had some sort of Chris Carter turnaround. It was the other shoe could drop at any moment. Mm. And somehow, because it's Cleveland, the timing was... I know. It was so Browns, and just the the other shoe dropped. And there were a lot of Browns fans in that Radio City Music Hall center. And uh, you could just sense that they were, as the news was kind of spreading across the room. And then when Cleveland doesn't take a wide receiver, which I understand... They're going to stick to their draft board, and they can talk about that till they're blue in the face. But the, your fan base doesn't understand that sometimes. And I think that the, the trajectory of that whole draft went down sharply from there and never really recovered. I felt bad for Mark immediately when the news hit, but I didn't really feel genuine pathos until he tweeted out, watch out for Charles Johnson. <laughs> Seventh round draft pick uh, last year for the Packers. <laughs> yeah, no, coming that, off that ACL surgery. Searching. I, I felt genuine pathos at that point that Mark was tweeting about a guy who was cut by the Packers, <laughs> picked up for, by the Browns, and the Browns didn't know that he already had a torn ACL. Uh, you know that I'm just wandering the darkness for answers at that point. I I felt awkward to be honest. Like I saw that and I almost I I I couldn't say anything. It was kind of like the moment in the video that. Dan Hansis was nice enough to put up on YouTube, which is just amazing. Like, I am so happy I didn't go to New York this year just so Mark could be there 
and enjoy the Johnny Manziel pick. Uh, but it, over seven hundred views on uh, YouTube, folks. It's it, it's sublime. It, it, it was, and you're just looking at that, and it. I immediately said when I saw it, it's like it looked like Mark was watching his daughter. Not that he has a daughter, but if he did, walk down the aisle at her wedding or something. It was beautiful. I bookmark well, it so I could watch it anytime I get seasonal <laughs> depression in Chicago. <laughs> I like that. The twenty to twenty-four second mark of that video is simply iconic. Well, yeah. Now listen, one thing: Kevin Patcher of all people knows that when you root for a team that's been in the gutter for decades on end that there's a laundry list of negative experiences and, and this is a bad one and it's it's high up there because of like the, the mountain topics positive side that it came off of but browns fans will live i mean they've been through one thing after another that's that's life dan you should tell the listeners what to search for on youtube for this video uh yes i can do that uh if you do a simple web search <laughs> Google will do. If you do a simple web search, uh, title it The Sizzler Reacts to JFF to Browns. It will bring it up, and you can check it out. I would think that most of our listeners, or many listeners, have seen it, but uh, it is, it's, it's, it's must-see TV in, in the uh, greatest sense. And, and news to uh, Nate Burl- The I think the saddest moment of the whole thing was after this, Gordon, when we found out Nate Burleson, oh, by the way, happened to b- break his arm. Again. Again. Same one he broke last year. Stop delivering. Or <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh, let's go through one last uh, couple picks from the last day, and then we'll get into our winners and losers quickly. Our quarterbacks that were taken on day three. I'm going to throw out four of them, and you guys can just pick one that strikes your fancy. A.J. McCarron winds up in Cincinnati. Aaron Murray winds up in Kansas City, backing up Alex Smith. Those are both fifth-round picks. Tom Savage, Gil Brandt's boy, falls all the way to the end of the fourth round. He goes to Houston, and then the Titans do take a quarterback, but they wait till the sixth round for Zach Mettenberger. How do we want to frame this? Maybe uh, which one of these four do you think is a legitimate threat at some point, maybe not right away, but at some point to start some games for these teams? Can you say none of them? Yeah, none of them is totally acceptable. Well, I'm, I'm still not convinced that uh, Tom Savage is a real person. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to leave him out. And I, I, don't th- I think it's, it's the, the thing I'd pick is that all three of them or all four of them will be on a different team four years from now probably. Mm. But McCarron, um, only because the Bengals seem obsessed with completely mid-level, mezzanine-level quarterback play that he fits that bill perfectly and i could see that them making a big splash move by replacing andy dalton with aj mccarron get excited that was a this was a very tough day for aj mccarron the news breaking uh and then ian just went down a laundry list of issues that front office officials had in their pre-draft meetings one was his the the unknown factor of if he could handle adversity which is another was if his teammates like him another one was would can he lead his teammates uh, another one was that he didn't participate in the Senior Bowl in his hometown. Another one was that he <laughs> t- took part in a reality show with his fiance. Very might, uh, yeah. Did I anyone mean, call him? A lot of uh, a lot of things that the team was kind of uh, rubbed the wrong. The teams were rubbed the wrong way about. It, it does not sound, and it also ties back into my theory from a couple weeks back. He's a thug, I tell you. <laughs> Did anyone call him Eddie Haskell? That's my favorite derogatory term from scouts. Wow, it's a it's a reference to leave it to Beaver. Eddie Haskell was a kid who was always you couldn't trust him. You couldn't take him at face value. He was always trying to put something over on somebody. Wes, it's, I completely know who you're talking about. You <laughs> know, I watched that show <laughs> in rerun format in our youth when we were pretending to stay home. I just think it's it's an awesome reference that nobody possibly gets, and scouts are still using it to describe and players. And I tell you I, about I, I know that reference. I remember watching that show on Nick at Night as a boy, and Eddie Haskell was a. So, <laughs> you know, you connect the dots on this, and you can see what the big problem is for uh, this young gentleman. One last thing on McCarron. I think this is probably the best possible landing spot for him. It's a great landing spot for anyone. He's Andy Dalton's Bengals future is kind of up in the air. Uh, A.J. Green's a true number one receiver. They have two good running backs right now. They have good secondary receivers, two good tight ends, a good offensive line. They have Browns legend Jason Campbell in the way, though, on the depth chart. <laughs> Captain Checkdown. 
there's a rule in the NFL that Jason Campbell can never be with a team for more than 361 days, though, so <laughs> he'll just wait that out. He will be working at Walgreens by next April. He will be with Jason Who? Campbel, a Walgreens checkout artist. Al- he always Alongs- gets a job, it's just he can't keep one. He will be working alongside McCarron's agent, the guy who told him to not play at the Senior Bowl. How did that work out for you? Uh, don't, didn't want to hurt your draft stock by playing at the Senior Bowl. Then he goes to the fifth round. Yikes. Yeah, this should be a lesson to prospects. Unless you are Jadavian Clowney and you're a once-in-a-generation uh, or once-in-a-decade type talent, you, know, you should probably get yourself out there and trust your abilities I feel like this happens every year, but why, you know, why wouldn't McCarron have taken part in the Senior Bowl when he was aware? But that's the other thing about him is that he, he thought he heard some people telling him, some chatter that he was going to go between 16 and 35. He ended up going 164. So I know this, there seems to be a lot of disconnect with this guy. Yeah, don't win too much either. I guess that's what people should learn. Right, and he also <laughs> did, he blew the Titans off for doing a workout for them at one point, which just seems – Totally, total insane. Eddie Haskell move. <laughs> you know where I know Eddie Haskell from? A, a, line, a rep in the Eight Mile movie. Sounds about that, right. That's their generational gap that we trickled down. Hey guys, uh, Tay Diggs followed me on Twitter today. Did me, too. You guys? me too. Me yeah. too. Why did I get one? That about he must be a loyal podcast listener. I I don't know. I, it just seemed really random that this fantastically handsome African American a- actor would suddenly. Follow me on Twitter. I'm very excited about it. Is he one of those weird uh, celebs that just follow 70,000 people for some weird reason? I have a feeling that that might be what actually happened, but hey, Diggs. I think he's got like a 22-year-old assistant that's into football. This guy's never even seen his own Twitter account. One last thing on on the Texans and Tom Savage. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, this guy is a project in like a 90s uh nerdy chick has to be reworked over kind of way. So, and not until the hour into the film will this guy get better looking for the Texans, <laughs> which means let your Case Keenum flag fly. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that, no. you know, I, I like it. I, I like it magic. I wasn't planning to do this, but let's just start the winners and losers now off of that because I'm going to give the Houston Texans a big fat loser <laughs> for just inspiring that sentence and the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick as a starting quarterback for the whole season is a thing that may be happening. They looked at what the Jaguars did last year with Henny and Gabbert in that coaching staff's first year, and they said, we can be more depressing than that. I mean, what? how this is not an exciting group. Houston, even you though you get Clowney, you, you get the loser. Let's go around. Little winners and losers. Why don't we start negative? Let's start uh, with Mark Sessler. Get negative. <laughs> All right. I think it's tough for me to come out and say this team has completely failed, but I don't like the way that the Buffalo Bills, with a shaky scenario, gave up next year's number one. I like the idea of going out and getting a Sammy Watkins, but I think they got fleeced in that trade, and there's a lot of pressure on that organization to make the playoffs next season. Uh, I can't analyze what they did from the fourth round on. I'm, gonna to, I, I'm not sure who a number of those guys are, to be honest. But uh, I, Russ, I Russ an, Cockrell uh, from Duke. Great pick. Oh, yes. Well, he is a do prospect. We have to, do we have to bleep that out? <laughs> <laughs> it's implied. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like the way they, they started that off. There is a lot of heat on that team to suddenly win a very tough division when you've got the Patriots in there. If you kind of break down what the trade was all about and then the trade to get Stevie Johnson, I mean, the, the upgrade from Sammy Watkins um, – from Stevie Johnson should be significant and it should help them for years and years. But man, they gave up a lot to get that upgrade. I mean, it, that and it's a type of upgrade that it needs to make an impact in the next year or two, or this coaching staff and GM, they won't enjoy those years of Sammy Watkins. Some other staff will. Let, let's go to another losing team. How about uh, Patra? Let's get a loser. Um, I don't know if we, I like the term losers. Every yeah, really added players. Losers, not as good of a draft. Maybe? That's fair. If you're doing winners and losers from draft weekend, you would have way more winners than losers because it's just kind of silly to kill teams. One thing I, one team I didn't think that, that addressed all their needs was the Chargers. Uh, they didn't hmm. get a wide receiver till the seventh round. Is a slot, slim prospect that's not going to get off a press coverage. So I, I think that, that was a big hole for them going in and a deep draft with their wide receiver group. And they didn't address that until very late. And I still think Ke- they're Keenan Allen and who? Um, hmm. They got a short cornerback 
when they're going against taller receivers with the Denver Broncos, when you look at their division, I think all the other teams got better and they didn't. Or two of the two of the teams definitely got better in the Broncos and the Raiders. You can argue about the Chiefs all you want. Uh, and then their second-round pick, outside linebacker, he's a, I think he's a year or two away from being an impact player, so I don't think they got much impact in this draft. In, in true Chargers fashion, they're, they're kind of the team that gets noticed the least, or they're up there in terms of the NFL, and they probably took the draft class that got noticed the least. I mean, no one knows Jason Verrett and Jeremiah Atachu and Mike Chris Mike Mayock loved Jason Verrett. Yeah, I just I'm not saying they're the, bad yeah. picks. They're just kind of flew below the radar. Uh, Dan, give me a loser. I think I think you have to know where I'm going with on, on this one. No, I don't. The Dallas Cowboys. Oh. And it's not just because they cost me multiple <laughs> sandwiches. It's because, you know, Jera, Jera lost his nerve. He had Johnny Football lined up at number one at the pick 16. <laughs> it was acknowledged that, he, the, that Manziel was on top of the draft board at that point, and yet he... he, he Listen, he wimped out in my mind, and he went with a tackle in Zach Martin. That's okay. That that's nice. That that help fills the need. But I think it was a Jerry getting gun shy and on the worst possible uh, stage. And then he's even giving interviews after the fact and calling Johnny Manziel Elvis and all this stuff. It's like even I mean Tony Romo. I guess he should feel better about this because obviously they didn't draft a quarterback. But at the same time. Jerry Jones is basically telling you this guy is my hero and I want to be with him, but I, I can't do it. I just I need to stay with my current wife. So I'm a little down about that situation. And then you go down the draft. You know, this was a team we talked about it leading up to the draft with a lot of holes. Um, all right, so they filled the hole in the offensive line. Then they trade their third round pick uh, to move up 13 spots. I think it was in the second round. They get Demarcus Lawrence, the guy that you know, can get to the quarterback and maybe becomes their new star, DeMarcus. And then in the fourth round, they picked Anthony Hitchens. I don't know much about him, but um, Daniel Jeremiah, a guy I trust, says that this was a stretch that they could have uh, gotten him further down the draft. So I just thought it was kind of an underwhelming uh, draft, not not gutsy. I just I wasn't into it. One counter to that, though, Jerry Jones, a man who uh, has always had money and likes making money, what kind of dough could he have made had he brought Manziel to Dallas? I mean, suddenly that whole thing explodes. He had the fortitude to say, I don't need that cash. For me, it wasn't. Wait, wait, okay. <laughs> I've got Cowboys PR cash. right behind me here. <laughs> for, for me, it wasn't that he passed on Johnny Football. It was that he didn't go defense in the first round, which was clearly their weakest area. And there was, there was a lot of good secondary players that went off the board after that, and their secondary was terrible last year. I'm torn because it was a very un-Jerry move. And supposedly, uh, reportedly, they changed the structure in terms of who's running the draft room, that, that Jerry Jones took a back seat, and maybe that really helped make this decision. And, and even when hmm. Johnny Manziel was on the clock, Albert Beer reports they discussed taking the pick. So you, you were that close, Dan. Because he was number one on the board, we shouldn't have mocked you. There was a shot there, and he basically – made the rational decision, I think, because you have so much guaranteed money in Tony Romo, even though it's not exciting and it's not very Jerry Jones-like. Right, and, and for the record, I, didn't, I never thought it was necessarily the greatest move for the Cowboys to make, but I thought that what would have gotten it done was just the temptation would have been too great. But, you know, if what saved them is them changing the leadership a little bit in that room, I'm a little dubious of that. I feel like Jerry, if anything, at age 71, is going to really uh, button down and, and be more involved than ever. But if that's what saved them uh, from making this move, we'll see if it, if it ends up being something they, they're happy about or they live to regret. I'm hearing that that man, that gentleman that polishes his glasses during Sunday and Monday night games <laughs> is now in charge of the uh, draft pick process. <laughs> his son-in-law? That's, that's disturbing. By the way, as we're taping this, I get a couple direct messages that says you got to keep it off the record. And this is rare that this happens. And, and we just talked about this. Uh, about my pick for the losing team for the weekend, the, the Houston Texans, that, that Andre Johnson is not happy about what happened this weekend. And, you know, you shouldn't be too excited, too worried that... Who's going to throw in the ball? Right, you're too Again. worried that your star player is upset. But, you know, you're making Andre Johnson happy that a quarterback... Someone that told you to keep this off the record? 
No, they didn't. They didn't oh. say keep. They didn't say keep that <laughs> off the record. We're cutting this. this whole well, how about we bring Andre Johnson and reunite him with Kyle Shanahan in Cleveland? I actually have Andre Johnson sitting next to me right now, so I will now hand him the phone. <laughs> well, he said don't attribute directly to the person. Oh, it, it wasn't uh, uh, anything I couldn't say. How about Wes? Let's get a, a pick for a loser or two if you feel like it. All right. I like to take a bigger picture view of this. Um, I don't think you can really separate the draft from what else is going on in the offseason. So kind of looking like for playoff teams, how has your offseason compared to other playoff teams and non-playoff teams? Is your franchise any better within the division? Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are much worse in the division. Yes. And they're much worse compared to other playoff teams. They lose 6,000 snaps in free agency. Their first-round pick is basically insurance for Tom Bali. They don't have a second-round pick. Their third-round pick, Philip Gaines, will allow them to trade Brandon Flowers, so they don't really gain much there. And may I call them a developmental guy? So Their fourth-round pick, DeAnthony De- Thomas, called by Rota World's Evan Silva, <laughs> a guy who basically will not have an NFL career. We'll see. And a fifth-round quarterback, and if you listen to Phil Emery, the Bears general manager last week, any quarterback drafted after the fourth round isn't going to make it. Phil Emery then drafted a quarterback after the fourth round. Just Yeah, I'm just saying. The Chiefs are a much worse team right now, and they don't have benefit of the easy schedule that they had last year, too. They're, I think they, that, they're not going to be a playoff team this year. I think that's a little similar to the Bengals, just because I feel like the AFC North had a great weekend and overall has had a great offseason, and the Bengals have been treading water or backing up. So it, it is about what teams are doing in your division. I agree with you on the Chiefs. And I would throw the Titans in there too. They entered the draft. They entered the off season with Chris Johnson as their most identifiable player and basically the face of the franchise. They are now a franchise without a face. They drafted a third <laughs> tackle in the first round. Mm. They already had two starting tackles, and then Bishop Sankey, who who is fine, but he's not like a, an earth shattering talent at running back. This isn't Adrian Peterson. We're talking. We're talking about the Titans are, are a boring team. Now, and they were before. How dare you? And what you? is more frustrating for a fan base than, hey, we just used our first-round pick on a tackle, and oh, by the way, we're now looking to trade the current starting tackle. So you've essentially not added any talent to the team. Have, that, sounds, that sounds like a tough sell to me. I don't know why. I've got a, I've got a feeling about Sankey, though. He's, if you just watch like it, his name. Ah, he's fun to watch. <laughs> I feel like he could be... He could be your face of the franchise. I feel like it's also medically unsafe to not have a face. I mean, <laughs> you're saying forget it. It's over. Uh, let's be positive here. Let's go to some winners. What drafts did we like? What stuck out to us? Uh, why don't we start with you, Mark? I liked, uh, you know, I don't know. Every, you know, every year it feels for me like Ozzie Newsom is patient, and they're, they're never drafting high, and so they're very good about allowing their board to be – their guiding force, and the right players seem to fall to him. I thought getting C.J. Mosley at 17, great thing for them. They loved having him land there. That's a quality pick, a lot of value. Then in second round, you get Timmy Jernigan. It's, I, this, is just, this is the Ravens every season. It's like their defense, which a couple of years ago was talked about as you know, in decline. They're getting younger. They're adding parts. They had a free safety later on, uh, Terrence Brooks. I, I trust the Ravens, and I and listen. I haven't, I haven't sat down and watched 400 hours of Terrence Brooks in the secondary, <laughs> but Ozzie Newsom has, and this guy continues to hit home runs. Greg, you're the undisputed champion of body language, but Sessler just put on a show during that last monologue about Ooh. the Ravens draft. He was leaned over his chair, looking at his laptop, speaking like a president <laughs> addressing the nation after uh, you know as some major news is broken. So you're telling me that. I'm in charge of millions of people and their safety and livelihood. Sure. We could go down that road. I, I like it. Mark, I trust you, Mark. I would, too. I think if I could elect any one of us president of the United States, I would trust Mark. The character check would be... I think that would be unanimous. Prohibitive. Well, he would also eliminate electricity and meat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there, would be, there would be some sweeping changes that would affect each of your lives. Zach, are you even eligible for this after living in England? Or I am. I, I am, in fact, <laughs> eligible. Here. I'm just saying. It's exciting. That I could be president, couldn't I? I Zach would be another. You have to be 35. That's true. I can't do it yet. Zach would be another strong option, I Thanks. feel like. Well, he's smart. Actually, while I can still do this, I, could just, I might as well jump on. Hey, Zach, you and I, we're the only two guys in the group that can't run for president because we're so young. 
Ooh, like One that. What? <laughs> like that. I, I'm I'm being ignored again. Oh yeah. What Patra. about Patra? Ow, Patra. Have I, fun trying no, to get Patra car insurance. Patra looks like he's forty Dan with that never beard. Actually met Everyone forgets. Person, so. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> uh, Patra, let's get a loser. I mean, a winner from you. Uh, I like what the 49ers did, just doubling down on being on the, their tough style. Uh, in the last two years, they lost Gold, Goldson and Whitner in their as their safeties. Last year they get Reed. This year they get a hard hitter in the first round, Jimmy Ward. I like Carlos Hyde. Sooner or later, Frank Gore will get overtaken, even though he beats all all comers. He's immortal. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I like mm. Carl Hyde's game. He could have gone a lot earlier if if every NFL team just didn't decide that the running back position was devalued. Um, I like Marcus Martin. They had a need at center. Uh, he was Mayock's first number one center, so I like what they did there. And Chris Borland was one of my favorite players to watch last year. Just at the Wisconsin inside linebacker, just always around the ball. That is a Jim Harbaugh guy if there ever was one. Not really athletic. There were some questions about his shoulder. But if you watch any Wisconsin game, he was mm. at every play that was near the line, he was involved in the play. It was ridiculous. So I really like what they did. And then adding Bruce Ellington gives her some speed. And then we talk about team building all the time. And the 49ers are, have been so good at it. They just started drafting guys for next year. They got two guys that are going to start off the season on the pup list. So I, I really think what they did in the NFC West was great. Patrick, going deep there. I like that. They also led the draft in trading. I don't know what that's I worth, he, but they traded down like 50 times. It's their move. They're going to use it. Them in Seattle, I think we're trying to San battle Francisco, to see who. What happened to that San Francisco pass rusher, uh, the guy that like had never played football and he was like either from Germany or Central oh, I don't think he ever came something. over la- the one last year Yeah, from England. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there was – a. Oh Paul yeah, blue about it last no, year. He was he on not... he was on the practice squad last year. Lawrence Okoye. Yeah, let's yeah. get him going. Wait, how does Gold Standard drop that name? <laughs> he's, he's British. That's what I do. Gold Standard is on fire right now. Uh, by I'm the way, there's no Hyde is not going to replace him. We went through. We were just naming off the running backs that ru- that Frank Gore, the inconvenient truth, has slayed. Kevin I didn't say this year. Glenn Coffey, LaMichael James. Kendall uh, Hunter. Con- Kendall Hunter. Guys show up. Anthony Dixon. Guys show up to San Francisco all excited for their NFL career. Oh, this is going to be great. I'll learn under Frank Gore. And he basically destroys None them of them all. were as good as Carlos Hyde was. Wait, my, my takeaway, Gold Standard, if you're Thomas using Google. Thomas Clayton? If you're Thomas using Clayton, Google, wow. Gold Standard, may I suggest Ask Jeeves, <laughs> a much better search engine. And this is the man you want to be president. <laughs> I'm more of a Bing guy. <laughs> huh. uh, Mark. Are you, you on a CBS procedural dropping <laughs> Bing plugs? I had to enter DOS into these computers before I could get on. It's awesome. <laughs> That's before your time, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan, let's get a winner four from you. You know, I know Patrick's not going to like this, but I like what the Bear, I like what the Chicago Bears did, a team that needs hmm. defense. So they just went straight for, and they they drafted four defenders in their first five picks. They got some hog mollies. They got some hog mollies <laughs> up in this mix. Uh, Kyle Fuller is a cornerback who, uh, uh, you know, when you're playing in that division with uh, Aaron Rodgers and, uh, of course, Teddy Bridgewater tearing it up and Matthew Stafford, you need people to cover. Fuller is going to step in and have a big role. Ego Ferguson. How about that? Great name. Ego I, I think they should wait for his long. younger brother's how super ego. How are you not going for the Jets? Why? I'm, I'm I don't stunned. think they had necessarily. Let's stay to the point. Hang on. Ego Ferguson and then Will Sutton, two defensive tackles, stopped the run. I like it. Uh, as for the Jets, I thought they had a, a solid draft. It wasn't spectacular. You're making it sound like all your previous Jets analysis was sober and rational and fair and balanced. Well, if you go back and listen to it, it usually is, to be honest with you. I like to I pride myself on not being a pie-in-the-sky Jets fan. And I take offense to what you're saying. <laughs> I like the Jets draft. Why I, think, not? I, I mean, I, if you, yeah, if you want to talk about the Jets, I, I, I did like it. I did like the tight end. I thought that was, a, that was a nice pickup. And then they, you know, they went and finally addressed the wide receiver position on Saturday. I don't know what we're going to get out of those guys. Uh, but I did notice a trend. This is obviously a Rex trait. Pryor is known as a, a physical safety that punishes a guy in the box. Uh, and, you know, you have a, a huge tight end 
Sky Amaro is 6'5", 265. Mm. That's, that's Beasley. And then Jalen Saunders, who they drafted today. Mayock said during the NFL Network telecast, despite his size, he's 5'9", that he's the toughest wide receiver in football. Mm. I don't even know what that means. Uh, but it sounds like uh, the Jets were going for physicality in this draft. You're burying the lead. Bad news for Cumby. Jeff Cumberland could be in trouble here. You know what? I had a couple of Twitter users that are aware of my affection for Cumby. I think Cumby's going to be just fine. He's going to find his role. He's going to find his niche. And uh, come uh, season's end, he will have six touchdowns and 612 yards of shooting. Hmm. It'll be like the, the sage older veteran teaching the young buck. So you're saying he's going to lead the team in receiving. <laughs> oh. Wes had a zinger. You didn't even hear it, Dan. That's uh, a shame. I'm sure it was very positive if it was about the Jets. <laughs> Wes, uh, let's have some winners. Well, we've talked about these two teams leading up to the offseason. The Steelers and Falcons both kind of on the precipice as teams that like to fancy themselves as contenders but needed great offseasons. The Falcons got so much more physical, so much more tougher, adding guys in free agency on both sides of the ball on the lines, and then their first two picks this year on the lines, big, tough guys. But the Steelers, I really love how they were a team that Warren Sapp has said it for two and a half years now, old and slow, got to go. Mm. They had turned that around, got the fastest linebacker in the draft, the fastest player in the draft in Dree Archer. Uh, their second-round pick, Stephon Tuitt. The Steelers believe he would have been a top-ten pick if not for a hernia uh, that he played through his, it, this past year. Fourth round, they get that big red zone receiver they wanted, Martavis Bryant, who's 6'4", has a Randy Moss frame, deep threat, uh, has the most yards per catch since Herman Moore in college, and Clemson guys say faster than Sammy Watkins. I like it. I don't need to be convinced to get back on the Ben Roethlisberger should lead this team to the playoffs bandwagon. And I, I agree with Pittsburgh 100%. Atlanta, until they rip the roof off that dome... <laughs> I don't care about them getting more physical and more strong. They play in the most, by far, the most tedious indoor environment in all of sports. Wow. Have so you I missed, wow. have you missed the Rams games for the yeah, list? Yeah, Rams is The Rams bad. stadium looks like a grade school hallway. That's very fair, and they've built a roster on offense to suggest as much. But <laughs> Atlanta right now has me, because Atlanta gets put in prime time all the time. That's a fair point. Just sit down. For three hours, have you taken a sleeping pill? No, just come watch this affair. They're building a new stadium, though. That, that's you know to their credit. <laughs> if in Mark's eyes, every time we did winners and losers, then the Falcons would just be a permanent loser. <laughs> what was their record last year, Greg? <laughs> the Steelers. What one of your uh, winners here? They did draft literally the fastest player in the draft and the biggest player in the draft. Three hundred and fifty-two pounds, six-seven defensive tackle. Daniel McCullers. How do you like to Ubba, Ubba. How do you like to get in the mix with him? They got a lot bigger <laughs> and a lot more athletic, which they desperately needed. Uh my favorite team I think this weekend was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they have a strength and that strength is defense and they just decided we're not going to take any defense. We're just going to aggressively fix this offense as much as we possibly could. Mike Evans Austin, Safarian, Jenkins were two of my favorite guys just because they're the physical guys who can catch the ball, the point of attack. People compared Safarian, Jenkins to Gronk. Uh, they take a good third down back type in Charles Sims, and then they just keep going offense. They, they matched up a little bit what the Bears did in terms of going for guys that seemed like they'd be good in the red zone. Now you got Jenkins, Evans, and Safarian, Jenkins. Uh, sorry, Vincent Jackson, Evans, and Safarian Jenkins, that's going to be a ridiculous team in the red zone. They were the worst team in the red zone a year ago. It's flat-out identity theft. Well, that's good, right? Jo worked. The, they said with Josh McCown, look what he did with the Bears. So they brought in mm -hmm. Mike Evans, who was compared to uh, Alshon Jeffrey a little bit. Safarian Jenkins compared to Martellus Bennett. Charles Sims compared to Matt Forte. It's perfect. They got the same offense. It's genius. Smart. Brilliant. It's smart. Why wouldn't you? I mean, Greg, I think it's time to go downstairs, update the publish date, 
and republish that Bucks to the playoffs article I, I wrote about a year ago. I am, glad, <laughs> I am glad you gave that segue because I've been writing that and feeling that all week. I don't know if they're going to become a trendy team. I hope not because they are. I'm picking them to the playoffs. I, I like the Bucks. I think they're already they, a trendy team. Mm, they are. I think it's too late. Oh, Which no. means they, I hate they can't be ATL's team right. if they're trendy. The day that mm. Lovey Smith got hired, they were a trendy pick. The day. The the one big problem there, and by the way, they never traded uh, Mike Glennon. You, you have a little time left. You have technically until Sunday, right? I have until the end of the day tomorrow. Yeah, but most it's likely gonna you're going to lose some sandwiches in that. I'm not holding my breath. I, Jason Light said today that they had offers and that we, they want to keep Glennon. Good. Chris, you know, we'll, we'll get into the go get my lunch standings in just a second. Uh, but for now, I'm just happy that – Chris is in a wash and 10 sandwiches, which was on the table at one point this weekend. The other team, we got to at least throw out the Browns as a winner. I mean, what Ray Farmer did in the first round. If you had said that ahead of time, that they could have gotten Justin Gilbert, Manziel, and a first-round pick, I don't care what happened the rest of the draft. It's not their fault Gordon got suspended. They're a winner. Anyone else have any winners? The city of New York on a Saturday night. Oh, it's time to go singing. I, I agree. This will, That'll just about wrap it up. But before before we go, we will update you on our uh, standings for our sandwiches. And we're just going to assume that Wesseling loses the Mike Glennon bet. Is that fair to say, Chris? I, w- I am not waving the white flag, but I am also not holding my breath. All right. But let's say he does lose that. By the end of Sunday. That's such a West answer. I love it. <laughs> hey, I don't like losing. Losing's for losers. That's right. You get the sandwiches if he Literally. somehow is traded by Sunday. We acknowledge that. But assuming he's not, we'll end up with Chris Wesseling getting four high-octane sandwiches delivered to him. We'll get Mark Sessler tied for first in the standings getting another four high-octane sandwiches Mark's delivered to him. Mark's uh, getting four lunches. He doesn't want I am sandwiches. donating mine to charity. Oh, that's, that's just cute. that's just sad. That's why you're president material. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what a president would do. Zach, we went over the other day. You were already done. But let me say this. I would have paid two sandwiches to get to play in the big boy pool. So thanks for having wow. me, Greg. <laughs> thanks for having me. Now that's a president. I feel great to be involved. You guys should see Zach's face right now. I'm you, beaming. He either looks like a politician or a homicidal maniac. I don't know what. <laughs> There's your running mate, the difference. Look at his soccer jersey from Southern Germany, just glowing right now. On, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I I also owe two sandwiches after this weekend. Had a slight recovery uh, to avoid disaster today, and then Dan, you owe these. You owe the group four sandwiches. So that's that's a big uh, price for you to pay. Well, you know what? You got to go. You go big or go home. And uh, I'm I'm proud of my effort. I, I went for something big. I went all in on Johnny Manziel, and it turned out it was a smart uh, it was a smart gamble. It just didn't go my way. It was like uh, hmm. one of those uh, close but no cigar situations. So I look forward to reimbursing the gentleman with uh, different high octane lunches. And which one of us can say, oh, when we speak on the podcast, you know, twelve days later, suddenly Mike Mayock drops a mock draft. Following that person's advice to a T. Yeah, I think there was a connection there, honestly. Oh, you guys are cute, sticking up for each other in the hotel room in there in New York. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that does oh, hold it. Hold on, we want to thank the uh, at Go Get My Lunch Twitter oh, for yeah. the picture they tweeted out. Oh yeah, that's of great. us as Ducktales <laughs> summarizing oh, the that go- was funny. summarizing the Go Get My Lunch standings. And also, I want to uh, also thank Tristan, who also has been. Uh, tracking. It's good to have multiple official scores, just kind of a checks and balances mm, situation. Very true. So the Twitter handle's great. Tristan, as always, our, our, our best listener, our number one listener, he, uh, he did a great job with it, too. So, you know, they, I think we'll have to bring the game back right before the start of the season. Uh, before for now, that. I need to start saving up some money. Yeah, we might have to before that. I don't know what we could really. Oh uh, yeah, what can we? Nothing's happening. Oh, who who had the most? Com- this gentleman. Who had the most interceptions at the OTAs this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be looking for some content. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday this week. Our schedule's a little different uh, in this post-draft era. At least for this week, we will be back with a new show on Tuesday. But we wanted to get you uh, the post-draft podcast right away. So we thank Mark and Dan. Uh, for staying in their hotel room late. Guys, go go out 
and get into some trouble in New York, and we'll see you on the other side. Have fun, boys. All right, gentlemen. Uh, we, we miss you. Fare thee well. For Dan Handis, Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, Kevin Patcher, and the Gold Standard, I'm Greg Rosenthal. We will see you on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A. Wiggins. That other side, we stay winning. Oh, man. You know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal, and I'm filled by a nation. Oh, I'm filled with it again. There's your drop, cold standard. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.